0: Alright, we're going to jump in and our series that we've been in, Love Walked Among Us, so if you have a Bible, turn to the Gospel of John. We're going we to look at verses 20 all the way to verse 33. Again, that's the Gospel of John, verse 20 to 33. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and keep it raised really high, and then one of the ushers will walk down the aisle and get you a copy of God's Word. Um, if you don't own a Bible, please keep the one that we are handing out. It is our gift to you so that you can grow in understanding and a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So this is the second to last week of this series and so next week we'll come and talk about Jesus being the Good Shepherd and then we'll be done Um, And Palm Sunday. We have an incredible treat. Um, We have a pastor that is coming in town from Italy um, that leads a bunch of different uh, churches and so forth. A super anointed man of God that is going to be uh, talking to us about prayer and love and worship and um, honestly it's going to be great. So this week in particular we are looking at how love leads to grief or that sadness leads to worship. And so if you're just coming here and this is your first week and your friend's like, hey, come to our church. It's like really funny. Like it's always like a lot of fun. It's not going to be today. All right. And so it's actually really sad. So um, welcome. And so we will, we will we'll be able to look at, look at God's word, uh, particularly here together. So again, the Gospel of John chapter 12. Now, just a recap on this series is that we are looking at the life of Jesus and how Jesus puts love on display. And put it on display in such a way, not that we just try to mimic that kind of love and our own strength, but we would see that we need the filling and the empowerment of the Spirit to be able to love like Christ, to love the people around us, to love the people next to us, to love those who we normally wouldn't want to love in the way that Jesus did. What we see and that what we've seen in this series in several weeks is it is actually Jesus' looking when he first would see somebody that would lead him to the type of love that he has. And what we see that he had this type of compassion. And we've seen how Jesus has loved people who were blind and he's shown his love for people who were widows and he's shown his love in unique ways. And we get to the point where it's nearing to the end of Jesus' life, particularly in this text, and how ultimately love can lead to grief and can lead to sadness and can lead to loss as Jesus, the loving, most loving person to ever walk this earth, is getting ready to look towards the cross, and how in loving people, that there's pain, and there's suffering, and there's loss, etc. And so that's what we're looking at um, this, uh, this morning. So in 2007, there was a book called The Shack. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. And uh, and people had so many different opinions about this book. Some people loved this book. Some people hated this book. Um, some people who were like really good at writing were like, well, the book wasn't written very well. And it, listen, the book was great. People who didn't like theology, they didn't like it because they're like, I don't think God's a big black woman. I'm like, maybe. Um, and so there's, it's a joke, guys. It's a joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're like, dude, this guy. Uh, he already told us once how we could be more godly, which was not biblical. And now he's telling us that God is a big black woman. <laughs> The point of the book that I loved, if you just read the book for the point of the book, was that there's this shack, this place where this man lost his daughter, and she was killed, and for him to move forward in his life and his relationship with God and so forth, he actually had to go to that shack. What I'm going to tell you is, Jesus, in this moment, as we see throughout the scriptures, is that he is now gets to the point where he says, my hour has come. And this particular hour, as he's about to go to his shack, that we know is the cross in which he will bear the weight of our sin and the sin of the world and every single man, woman, and child who would profess faith in him, and that he would have resurrection. But in order for him to have resurrection, he had to have death. And then ultimately, before he can have that gain, he had to have that loss. And the only way he does it is because he loves, not for any other reason. That Jesus did not have to leave the comforts of heaven, but he says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And if I can start right here with the gospel is, the joy that was set before him was not, so to say, just to get back to the Father. He already had the Father. To not just have the right relationship with the Spirit, he already had that. But the joy that was set before him, the one thing because of sin that he did not have was for us to be his people. So that was his joy To have you and I to be with him and his father and the covenant of love and the spirit and the joy that was set before him being you and me, he was able to endure the cross. And the only way that we can actually have life is actually through death and not in an abstract way. Jesus tells us in order to follow him, he says, you're going to have to pick up your own cross. You're going to have to go to those shacks of your life that the way up is actually first by going down. And that the way to gain your life is actually by first losing your life. And that's just the way the kingdom of God works. And so we're gonna look at that particularly here today as Jesus begins to look closer towards the cross or particularly his particular shack that he has to go through. Verse, verse 20, uh, John chapter 12. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And so Philip went and told Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Okay, so here's what we have here is when it says some Greeks came, there's a reason why John is writing this. And the reason why John is writing this is if you look at the prophets primarily and the book of Isaiah, there's all these prophecies that before Jesus or the Messiah is to be crucified, that there would be those who were non-Jewish people, so they would call them um, God-fearing Gentiles, particularly the Greeks, that would come seeking him. And so now, up until this point, what we've heard Jesus saying is, now's is not my hour. Now's not my hour. Now's not my hour. Now he's like, now's the hour. Because he's already rode into the donkey. He knows that the Last Supper is about to happen. He knows that Judas is about to betray him. He knows that now the Greeks are here. This is his hour. Like there's nowhere for him to go. Like the very purpose of which he came into this world. Um, the very purpose in which he can redeem and restore and heal the broken things of this world, to remove sin, Satan, death, and evil, all of these things, he says, the hour has come. And in order for us to, to love, um, we have to know that there's going to be some pain. Like, it, it's just impossible for us to love and not to experience any, any sort of pain, right? You think about even as a kid. Right? There's, there's that moment where you like or love somebody you're a friend and you guys are cool and then one day you go to the cafeteria and then she's no longer sitting at your table anymore. She's got some other friends. There's that sense of like loss there and there's a sense of sadness there, right? Or you get a little older um, and maybe you try to ask somebody out and they reject you more than once, right? Is that, I'm not trying to say that was me, but I'm saying to some of us that's happened. No, I'm just joking. I, last hour, it was me. It was a girl named Krista Turner. I'll never forget it right? <laughs> three times, guys, three times. <laughs> I reneged and became, I'm a Dodger fan. She said she liked the Oakland A's. I went and got an Oakland Athletics hat, and was like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Still, true story, ninth grade came around, and she's like, hey, you know, like, uh, she had told her friend, you know, you tell a friend to tell a friend, and like, hey, Krista kind of likes you. And I'm like, you tell Krista no. Because I still had that bitterness. I still kinda liked her, but I'm like, nah, nah, just because a bra grew a little about five inches and you know, nice jump shot now, now she wanna talk to me, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, anyways, Jesus was like, Ricardo, that's not what we're talking about. So we're we're <laughs> there's there is there's loss. Now, we can go even like the elevator can go a little lower, right? And we can think about forms of betrayal that we've experienced whether that be someone whom we love that has turned their back on us, whether that be a parent, whether that be a good friend, grandparent or whatnot, that just created that distance and that gap. And you realize, like, the only way to actually, um, like, to love somebody, you're going to experience some sort of pain. Jesus shows us this. And the crazy thing about it is he doesn't try to get out of it. Verse 23, He said, Jesus says again, he answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it does, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life, and whoever, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So Jesus says, listen, a grain does not produce fruit unless it falls through the ground. He's talking about himself, like, like, In order for me to show the love that will benefit you, I'm going to have to die. And then he looks at them and he says, whoever loves his life, like who loves it, they're going to lose it. And then whoever hates it, they're going to keep it for all eternity. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. When he says hate, first, he's not saying you have to hate yourself. Okay, we're going to do that in a second. We're going to deal with that in a second. That's not what he's saying. When he says whoever loves his life, what he's talking about is those who want to protect themselves. Because if you really, really, really want to protect yourself, like, you don't, want to, you don't want to hurt, don't love anybody. Don't love anything, right? And no one says this best than, than um, C.S. Lewis. He says a lot of things better than a lot of people. Uh, and so he says this, there is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round in little hobbies and little luxuries, and avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all dangers and perturbations is, of love, is hell. Like, meaning, Jesus is saying if you want to be safe and, and you don't want to experience pain and, you, and, and betrayal and the things that hurt you, then you got to keep people at a distance. And you know what? I think we're actually pretty good at that. And not people, quote-unquote, not in church, even those of us that are in relation to the church. we, We wanna keep people at a distance, at a theological distance, at a Bible verse distance, at a like just church jargon distance instead of going like these things really matter to me and I'm gonna open up my life and let you in. You know why that's hard? It hurts and it's scary because you lose control. Like you can control, for the most part, what gets in and what gets out. To love somebody and to love something means I'm going to let that person now in vulnerability dictate things. I'm going to throw my heart out there and let them kind of just mess around with it. Or if you think about a picture, here's a picture. It's, it's you're in the driver's seat of your own heart. And you saying, I want this person to love me and I want to love this person. You're stepping out of the driver's seat, moving over to the passenger seat, and allowing them to step in the driver's seat with, without the even understanding if they even know how to drive. Right? It goes back to high school. When you're when that you know, you do that behind the wheel training, you know the person who does that is not all the way there. Like who lets a fifteen year old who's never driven before get on the four or five freeway in California like you ready? Right? Someone who's not right, right? And so you're letting people get in the driver's seat and they get dictate dictated. You don't get a chance to control it. And Jesus says, um, when you stay in the driver's seat of your own heart that you, don't, you love it so much that nobody else can speak into it, nobody else can get into it, nobody else can be real with you, you won't be real with anybody else, that's fine. You're going to have your best life right about now, and it's going to end because the only place that that heart can survive is in a place called hell. He says, or you could hate your life. Now, hear me. Not... Like, you need to hate your life in some psychological way. He's just saying that you say, my life matters, but it matters most as I offer it up to others, and most importantly, as I offer it up to God. Come what may. Hear me on this one. Come what may. Because the thought is, oftentimes, if I offer my life up to God, then He's gonna take care of it, so far so true, and everything's gonna go my way. Oh, eh, wrong. Right? That's not the way the gospel works. I give my best life to God. He makes it better. He gives it back to me with no cancer, with no uh, loss, with no death, with all the valuable relationships. No, just so you know, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. I'm serious. Nowhere in the Bible. You could say, I'm reading the Bible uh, through the year this year. When, you got to the, when I get to the end, I'll know that. Let me just tell you, continue to read the Bible through the year. You're not going to find that, though. If you did, you have the wrong Bible. It's not the one that we handed out. So, Jesus says, if you hate your life, or in better ways, he's saying, if you give your life away for the sake of him, then you'll actually have it for all eternity. Come what may. And that those who are his servants will be exactly where he is. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is, before there's actually life, there's death. Right? That the way up is actually the way down. Well, Jesus continues here. Verse 27. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I, I love that the Bible shows us that in Christ we don't have a plastic Savior. Like Jesus Jesus knew what he was getting into, guys. Like Jesus knew that there was going to be shame, there was going to be sorrow, and there was going to be suffering. He knew it. And, and he doesn't try to escape it, and yet in his reality, as being a human, fully God but fully man, he acknowledges that he would love to escape it. <laughs> like, like, Jesus is not going, oh, my hour is here, let's go bring on the cross. Because he's not a plastic savior, he has real emotions. That he says, now my hour is here, I'm troubled in spirit. Now, the only times that you see in scripture of Jesus using that phrase, I'm troubled in spirit. Um, you see it when Jesus, uh, Judas betrays him and he's agitated. Um, you also see it when he's weeping um, over the death of his friend Lazarus, that, that it bothers him that there's death in the world. And what's unique about that particular setting is Jesus knows that he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he's weeping and he's troubled in his spirit. What that lets us know is Jesus is very under, understanding and aware of his own emotional turmoil. Right. Like, and he's not like our culture, which the extreme says when it comes to your emotions, just either suppress them, especially if you're a dude, like suppress these things. Don't don't listen to them. They're not real. They're fake. They're not even there. Or on the other end, they're real. They're great. Um, You need to act according to all your emotions. Um, Which one's better? None of them. Just so you know. Right. To suppress it is to deny humanity. Sometimes people think, well, Jesus was this superhuman. Jesus was not superhuman, and he didn't show us how to be superhuman. Jesus showed us how to be human. And that is to acknowledge my emotion, acknowledge what's going on, and to be able to say it. Like, right? Lord, I'm troubled in my spirit. Can you save me from this, God? No, 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 I'm not. No, no, I'm good. I just wanted to say that out loud, though, right? Like, he's got the particular space of that. And it's not my emotions are going to dictate everything. Because I'm just telling you, if we did everything our feelings told us to do, actually, we probably do, and that's why our world sucks. Sorry, I know there's kids in here. But, like, there's, there is, like, we can't. Like, there has to be a sense of truth and reality and us submitting to that truth. And we see that in the person and work and the body of Jesus Christ. So what does this particularly look like for Jesus? Um, one, when we see Jesus here, Jesus is about to be led to worship, which is ironic. Because the last thing we think about in our moments of sadness and moments of loss is worship. Sometimes we're drawn towards bitterness. Like there's just the reality of going, why has this happened to me, right? And in some ways, why does it keep happening to me, right? I was, why does this keep happening to me? (laughs) I hear people's stories, and it's never one thing. It's always a lot of things. It's never like, I just lost this person, or I didn't get this thing. It's like, oh yeah, and these other things. And, and, and you can see how that can lead to bitterness. Or, or, or on the other hand, what it has is just this constant sense of despair. And in, in, in the ancient world, especially in Greek culture, which most of the setting in the New Testament takes, is that, that their understanding of the cycle of life was one of despair. Like, the things are going good right now, just wait, something bad's about to happen. And, like, you can even see it in their art. Like, if you look at their plays and whatnot, it was this constant cycle of, like, nothing ever ending well, just kind of ending in despair, right? We call those indie films now. Like, and (laughs) there's there's just, like, life started and it was bad. It's bad now. It's going to be bad forever. We'll see you at the next Sundance Film Festival. (laughs) Like, there's... The biblical narrative is one where a sovereign king who's actually taking in the midst of sadness and and evil and decay and sin, who's actually taking it something where it's good. So that means the the pain in which we experience and the suffering in which we experience, this, as the Bible talks about, this momentary affliction is nothing compared to the surpassing weight of knowing this God, who, by the way, is not a plastic savior. You say, what do you mean? We don't have a God who just looks at suffering in an abstract way. We have a God who actually suffers not only for us, but with us. That we see Jesus going, there's my shack. And I'm not sure if I can deal with it. That I'm not sure if I can go through with it. I don't know if on the other side, God will do exactly what he said he's going to do. But you know what? I'm going to trust him. Like, that's wildly different. And sometimes sadness leads you to Christ. And sometimes Christ has to lead you to sadness. So for me, this is a message that's difficult. One, because... I'm not like a sad person, right? Like I don't, I'm like, I'm not looking for like, hey, where are the sad moments? Let me, let me sign up for those, right? However, I do love sad movies. Like I, some people are like, I don't like movies where, where like something bad happens. I love, like my favorite movies are the movies like Fighter, um, like Bambi, um, Still Magnolia. Like, you know, all the ones that just like rip, I mean like when a movie can rip your heart, out, I'm like that, that's the one right there. Um, <laughs> And to be honest with you, it's probably because I, I don't do that well with dealing with my own sadness, right? So just to be honest, right, Not out of my notes, most pastors, let's just, let me just go ahead and spill the beans. Most pastors, I believe, that are in ministry, like come from a life of trauma, and, and then, like, we can sometimes medicate ourselves by being ready for your trauma without even dealing with our own trauma. That was free. So there, there's, <laughs> there's a... That's true. Because <laughs> um, you're built a certain way to deal with it. And I realized I can sit down and weep for somebody else, but not, I can't weep for, for my own life. You know what I mean? And so um, learning how to deal with those things and walk those things, are diff- they're difficult. So when I came to know Je- Jesus, and Jesus led me to sadness. So I came to know Jesus and uh, believed in him and trusted him, and the Lord was like, you got to forgive somebody. And for me, it was my pop. It was my dad, right? And, and to me... I felt like I didn't have to and the Lord didn't audibly say Ricardo go forgive your father I just knew like you 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 knew and you knew it was going to be difficult and I'd love to say I called him and it got all great it didn't and that was years ago and there are moments but moments but moments where I feel like God keeps taking me to that same shack again and again and again <laughs> the reality of it is every time I come out of it though there is something about the presence of Christ that is a new life in a new area because it's not that if it's a person that that person needs to change Um, It's what God's called me to Jesus in this case He knows that when he goes to the cross and through the resurrection when God gives him new life He's just made new life available for everyone who would actually believe in him So what makes these things difficult for me? um, And just being honest with you guys is so I have a younger son who's about to turn eight next month when I was eight years old Like up from like birth to eight years old my dad was like my hero which is weird for me to think about right now like hero and like, I, he could do no wrong. And not that he was perfect by any means, but it was, like, I liked being around him. I liked, like, little things that he liked to do. He liked to go fishing. I would go fishing. Um, like, it was, I like, my little fake pole and you know, all of these things. And my dad drank, like, a lot, a lot of beer. And he had a beer belly. And not, like, a soft beer belly, like, bowling ball. Like, a watermelon. Like, you know? And I would lay my ear on his stomach, and I would hear the ocean of, <laughs> <laughs> of old English malt liquor just floating through <laughs> You're like, he didn't drink ultras? Nah, they didn't have ultras in the hood. So there, there, there was a sense of like, I have that, and then for whatever reason, that thing broke for me, and I learned early that the way I could protect myself was just to keep people at a distance, right? And my wife pointed that out to me, she goes, man, you can write people off really easy. I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? Um, she goes literally and she, I was like, "Well, give me some give me some examples." This is a few years ago. She goes, "Well," and she listed like and I was like, "All right, that's I get it." <laughs> that's a good sample set. I you, your point <laughs> your point well taken. And I never saw it as like right now because I didn't yell at her. I just was like I just I was just done with them. And and it's because we don't want to we don't want to be hurt. The best relationships, guys, if we're honest, are the ones where we can be hurt those of you guys who have really good covenant friends like intimate relationships that are non-sexual that are friends you know I can get hurt and, and yet and sometimes I am hurt and sometimes we deal with it sometimes we don't and yet this is the best relationship those of you guys who can experience that in your marriage you go this is it like I'm willing to go through multiple shacks because I know on the other side where there's death there's actually life in this those of you with children you get it you know like I'm not going anywhere and this kid can and will and oftentimes will hurt my heart. <laughs> and yet, man, it's a, it's a relationship that's worth it. We have in Jesus Christ love on display that Jesus goes, these relationships will hurt me. To love them means I have to die. I don't have to have the risk of death. I don't even have to have the fear of death. I have to literally die in order for me to keep this relationship intact. And then, doing so, that the Savior has to be vulnerable. That he's got to say, I'm going to get out of the driver's seat, and I'm going to put the love of my father in the driving seat, and my life, and pray and hope that he's going to raise me up from the dead, like he promised, and then raising me up from the dead, that he's going to give new life to all of these other people that would believe in me, that they would have the power of the new life to go to whatever their shacks would be in this world, knowing that my father, who loves me, is going to do the same thing that he did for me with them and their lives. That that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is never this abstract gospel that says believe in him out there And then all of a sudden he's going to change you It's no, believe in him now in here In your own life and follow him and pick up your cross daily To be obedient to him in the way that he was obedient to the father Like hear hear me on this Jesus right here says Are you going to do anything, God? Can you take it away? No, for this reason, I'm here. He's having this dialogue of feeling emotionally sad, like, I'm not sure I want to go through this, and then saying, yet, I'm going to. What he's doing is he's submitting himself not to suppressing his feelings, not to his feelings dictating his actions, but worship and obediently following his father. The father, by the way, does not change his circumstance. He gives him exactly what he needs, and that is the presence and love of the father. What we need in moments of sadness, what we need in moments of pain, what we need in moments of loss is to know that we are fully loved and our Father is present with us. That oftentimes the Spirit of God does change circumstances, but He sometimes doesn't. In fact, more than not, He doesn't. He changes who we are within the circumstance. That Jesus goes to the cross, that Jesus is able to worship in this moment. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had to worship sad. It's an incredible experience. Partly it's difficult for us because we don't take time to worship. Like, all of us have somewhere to be after this. Some of you are checking the scores because of the basketball game that's on right now. I'm not. Um, We have things to do that we don't create enough space to let the Lord move. Here's what I mean my cousin, and some of you guys are here, my cousin died a few years ago, and it was tragic for me. It's horrible. for a bunch of different reasons, and it was unexpected, and so forth. And we flew to Mississippi to have this funeral service. And I remember asking my mom, I said, "How long is the service going to be?" And, and like, and she goes, "How long?" <laughs> and she kind of laughed, like, uh, "No one knows." <laughs> and don't think like normal evangelical like church memorial service Think very black, middle of Mississippi. Huge, hot church, no air condition, humidity everywhere, mosquitoes biting you. Like, even, like, it's just imagine that, and it went on for about four and a half to five hours. It started with us weeping and weeping and weeping, and then, um, only in this setting does this happen, is this lady uh, gets up, and she's walked up to the stage, and she goes, um, I think the Lord just wants me to offer up a blessing to the church, and then she starts playing the keys, which is the piano, by the way and then, and then this, and she's playing, and then another brother gets up, and he's like, yeah, I think the Lord wants me to offer up a a little worship, and he, and he starts singing, and like, not bad, like, amazing, right, and then, like, Reuben stuttered, right, and so then, (laughs) then someone got on the drums, and I promise you, for the next three hours, we just worship and praise the Lord, it didn't bring, Scooter's my cousin, it it didn't bring Scooter back from the dead, it didn't stop his mom from the loss that she experienced, or his wife for losing her husband, or his little daughter for losing her dad. It didn't do any of that, right? It didn't bring back my close, one of my closest relatives in my life. Man, but the presence of the Lord was sensed. And we were able to be able to say, it is well with my soul. When we are able to see God in Christ for who he is, not a happy, clappy, Mickey Mouse, Disneyland version of Christianity, but something that is raw and real, that is bloody and messy, only in that strength can we say, what shack does the Lord call me to that I can be able to deal with? Not in my own strength, but in the power of the Lord. Because that is actually the way that Christians love. Here, let me, let me try to paint this picture, and I'm, I'm going to close. When it comes to just suffering in general, we all are going to suffer. If you picture, there's a person here, and there's suffering. There's suffering in the world that's moving towards this person. That's just called being a human. Everybody's going to suffer. And then there's here, where there's now pain and suffering, but it's in my body, and I create it for other people. That's called sin, and we need repentance. Like, we need to turn to Jesus and go, I'm creating the pain and the suffering for others. Right? So you need conversion for that to be a Christian. And then there's this deep love that we see of Jesus that we hear his father speaking into him this moment. And this love says, here I am here, here's pain and suffering. It's actually not moving towards me, nor did I create it, yet I'm moving towards it. That is the love that we have that can only be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the love of Christ that says, here's the world that is broken with sin, and here's the people in whom I love. I could actually not like I can choose not to engage in this pain. It's not my pain. And yet, true Christian love says, I'm not going to move away from it. I'm actually going to head on towards it to be able to bring the compassionate love. In Jesus' case, the love of the Father. In our case, the love of Christ, in which we receive by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So so, sadness could actually lead to worship if we actually deal with the things that are wrapped before us. Not explaining it away, not laughing it away. But sitting in it and asking what Jesus did, and that is, Lord, glorify your name. And what happens after this is the Father speaks and says, I've glorified it, and I'm going to glorify it again. <laughs> like only two times that like, the Father speaks audibly. One at Jesus' baptism, and here, and it to confirm him, whatever you're going through, I'm going to be with you. Let me just tell you this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, whatever it is that you're going through or that God calls you through, he's going to be with you. Whatever sin offers, God offers more because he offers himself.